The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. SeaDeck features non-absorbent closed-cell PE EVA blended foam that delivers the perfect combination of comfort, safety, and style. For more information, check out www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. Your boat deserves SeaDeck. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 145 of the Golden Mike Podcast. I am Dan Mano, the noise of the North, recording from the legendary Boathouse Studio on Glassy Lake Sawyer here in Central Florida. We're giving it to you live, baby, and by it, I mean your dose of audio sunshine, and by live, I mean recorded podcast brought to you free twice monthly Today's episode is also brought to you in part by Active Water Sports. With over 35 years of water sports industry experience selling everything from wake surfers, skis, and wakeboards to boats and lifetime memories on the water, Active Water Sports is dedicated to helping you make the best buying decisions possible to help fit your lifestyle and your budget. If you like to have fun on the water, head on over to www.activewake.com to browse their massive selection. If you're interested in seeing more about that active water sports lifestyle, I highly recommend you go check out their YouTube channel, Active Water Sports. They have their documentary on there. It's so cool to see the history spanning over three decades Thanks again, Active Water Sports, because they take your fun seriously. Guys, I bet you can already guess what I'm going to say now, so feel free to sing along. If you're listening to this podcast and haven't already left us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, what better time to do it than right now? Your positive reviews and five-star ratings help increase the visibility of this podcast and in turn, our entire sport, so get on it. I also want to remind you all that in addition to listening to and sharing all 145 episodes of the Golden Mike Podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts with all of your social media followers, we are also on multiple podcast listening applications for Android devices as well as on SoundCloud and our very own website, noiseofthenorth.com. Also, be sure to follow the Golden Mike Podcast on Facebook and follow my personal Instagram account at Dano T. Mano if you are into the social media thing, and I know you all are because we all are together. Our guest today is none other than the virtuoso of the West Coast grandeur of style and technique, currently ranked top three on the Supra Boats PWT. He's a past X Games Real Wake 
bronze medalist and a wakeboarding mag checkout award winner back in 2017. He's a rookie of the year, and in 2019, he won wakeboarding mag's wake award for best boat rider of the year. I'm talking about none other than Tyler Hyam, originally from Bend, Oregon, now living in the central Florida, Orlando area. Uh, I've known Tyler since he was just a little kid competing in amateur events uh, on the West Coast and making his way out to events like the Nationals and the Worlds. And I'll be the first to admit that I had no idea a decade ago that he would grow into one of the most influential riders on the water today. He's only been a pro now for about three years, but he's already started his pro career as a young veteran. He no doubt became one of the leaders of this up-and-coming generation of riders, and he's not only one of the most technically proficient riders out there, but he's also got that unmistakable West Coast style that took him to podiums all over the country, around the world, and even got him a selection into the coveted X Games Real Weight Contest that led to that bronze medal I spoke of. His style has also gotten him signed by Ronix, and they even gave him his own signature wakeboard. And of course, I'm talking about the Supreme, his co-signature wakeboard that he shares with the one and only Jake Palat, Old Reliable, which you can uh, hear Jake Palat's interview on this very podcast on episode 134 if you already haven't anyways take a look for yourself online at the Ronix website ronixwake.com and while you're there check out the rest of their awesome products from any level or style of wakeboard boots to wake surfers and a whole lot more Ronix has everything you need to have a blast on the water including 2021 stuff it's dropping right now as we speak while you're on the website, you can check out their Ronix TV tab, see all their latest videos, and head on over to their Ronix Wakeboards Instagram page to see action from everyone around the world representing the Ronix team, including Tyler. And speaking of, let's get into our interview here with Tyler Hyam, the man, right now on the Golden Mike Podcast. Oh, yeah. Here we are. We've all basically been off the road due to uh, this craziness, COVID, and everything like that. So this started uh, early March. Uh, what what have you been up to? I mean, so, yeah, like, I'm pretty bummed. Like, the last time I traveled was to Australia in March. As soon as I got there is kind of when all the COVID stuff started popping off and I was able to get home like right before like all the quarantine started and everything and yeah I mean I've just been like trying to wakeboard you know like kind of stuck at home so just trying to get out on the water as much as I can just try to stay productive but to be honest like it's hard there's not much to do besides wakeboard in Orlando and there's especially all the Australians or most of them anyways can't come over so it's a pretty like mellow year but just trying to do a lot of filming and get ready for that stay healthy and I don't know like pursue different things I guess yeah I've been like diving into like some more stuff on my computer like I don't know I find like the stock market's a little interesting so I've been trying to get into that a little bit but I mean yeah just trying to stay busy and but a lot of filming's been going on so content be, creating which which yeah. actually works out good I do have to congratulate you so stop number one of the super boats PWT uh, super of course your sponsor and stop number one you came in and finished in third place for yeah third for the place first stop. yeah on the first stop yeah I was stoked I mean it's definitely a different format, just being able to film your run as many times as you can within like the time. Like You have to timestamp it, so this date to this date, you got to submit it, and then 
that's how it is. So you have as many temps as you want, film from the boat, six tricks. One trick has to be less than five. And I mean, everyone knew like when it came out, wow, this is going to be heavy. You got unlimited temps on your own boat. It's you have no excuses. Like, right. You really don't. You have no excuses. And so it's been it's heavy. The tricks are heavy and I'm stoked to well, see it all go down. So with that, with that happening, though, because I feel like you do bring a lot of the tech, but I feel like you're also known as a style guy. And um, normally contests aren't, I would say, uh, they as much as as much as I think we want them to, and people sort of try to make them um, slightly more focused on style. I believe that like the tech stuff is well. Really yeah, I what mean, at rewarded. the end of the day, like it's all getting written down on paper, and so it's just looking at nines versus tens, double flips versus this and that, and so yeah, like in contests, it's definitely like hard to make your style tricks be technical and that's always like what I've tried to do is just grab my board and like make it look good but also try to do the technical tricks and like have a variety like spinning both ways and stuff you know like a lot of the guys find a niche and like it works for them and they only spin like one direction and just find eight tricks that really work for them and like that are really technical and that work and it's just yeah good for you like that's really awesome like you do well in contests that's cool but there's a little bit more than wakeboarding of that you know like to have a variety and just this is the tricks that I want to do in the contest and I'm going to try to do them and just spinning both ways, keeping it different. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and you look at it and that's where, and, and this is not a knock on Nick Rappa because he is like such a talented rider. Nick's, but and Nick's super talented. His composition, he spins both ways and saying like, I will never, like you can't talk bad on Nick at I all. Will, like but his, I will say like coming into the season this year, I feel like a lot of people were saying, oh, well, Nick Rappa, you know, he's got those, those uh, eight tricks that he does, you know, to get into the final and to get into, you know, get on the podium every event. And it was like watching his first run in the semifinals. I was like, uh-oh. And then all of a sudden he starts just firing and, and then um, stop. So as we record this, stop two for the PWT semifinals have already happened and finals are live right now. Live at the moment. And results are out tomorrow, I think. Yeah. And and I feel like this is like pushing guys like Rappa to have to really step it up. And, and, and you know, he, and don't get me wrong, him living with J.D. Webb a few years ago definitely helped him step up from the tech guy to more tech in style. But you know, sometimes in competition, it happens so quick, you can get away with, with a, a, a slipped grab or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I will say, though, Nick is very, he's very dialed in. Yeah, like, he sometimes doesn't get insanely creative. But as far as it comes to his overall spinning both ways composition and, like, the way he does his runs, he perfects them and has them dialed. And so you have to have respect for it. But definitely, like, it's just to teach their own, I guess just having more than a certain amount of tricks but Nick's I really like respect Nick's runs because he he puts them together well like when there's a lot of other people that only spin one direction and that really bothers me I don't know why it gets to me so bad but just only spinning one direction and I don't know if sometimes the judges don't see it or really aren't paying attention for it but it's a lot different spinning to the left and to the right and like being able to do that both ways and so the guys that only spin one direction if it works for them like they're able to make it happen and kind of slide under the radar a little bit but I think that I don't know if it's just being overlooked or not but spinning both ways is definitely like a very important factor and that's why Nick is being so dominant right now like he's he can do nines both directions he can do the tens he can do mob sevens and double flips and so he's dialed in for sure but so how do you so like you as a rider um obviously know you're always learning new tricks and trying to perfect old ones and and make them even more unique 
but how do you prepare for these like tour stops? Because the, the fact is, is, um, I mean, uh, it, Mike Dowdy, who's been, I believe helping coach Finn a little bit, they didn't have to release the fact that he's been landing some new tricks there. And aside, like, and if Finn wanted, he maybe could have, if he wasn't so excited about, you know, he maybe could have kept it to himself that he had some new stuff. How do you prepare not being able to put yourself in a position on tour to watch the people before you or have those conversations with, Hey, what are you doing? Well, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, for me at a contest, I go there with, sometimes I do well in contests. Sometimes I don't, you know, that you announce all the events. I just kind of go there with like, all right, these are the eight tricks I'm going to do in the final. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And that's kind of how you're going at this is like, all right, these are my six hardest or these are my five hardest tricks and then less than five. And so these are the tricks I'm going to do. And so, that's how it works. It's just kind of like you're, I wouldn't say this event, obviously you're competing against the other riders because that's how it always is. When it comes down to getting the video, I just was competing against myself because you have, at the end of the day, like if you don't come up with a video, it's on you. So you just got to come up with the hardest video you can and not necessarily trying to beat this specific person because you don't know what they're going to do. Obviously, like I was riding with Corey a lot. So like I, I knew both of his runs, I was there, but like, it's still just like, um, I don't know. You just like do what you can do and see how it goes. So you know, in his six, you know that he's starting his six trick line with that twelve. Yes. So I drove quite a few of those. So let me you, tell you, he's got them dialed. <laughs> so with that, with that being said, knowing that, hey, I, like, but here's the thing: he's probably not going to grab that twelve. He's so he, not grabbing the twelve. Yes. Well, I, I personally think. I mean, yeah, Corey's run beats mine. That's how it goes. That's how the judges are going to see it. But no disregards to Corey or anything. He's a phenomenal wakeboarder. Everybody knows that. But he only spins to the left. If you look at his run, like he strictly spins to the left, and like, and Corey like, knows it, right? Yeah, yeah. I've told, I, I joke with him all the time. Like he knows it. Like whatever. Like it works for him. But like he still's first, second place all the time. And so like that's kind of what I'm saying is like I don't know if it's getting overlooked or whatever. But I mean it's working for him. But personally right. for me, I like to have a lot of variety. And a twelve, four doubles and a three sixty to the flats is incredible. That is insane. But there's more to wakeboarding than that for me. Yeah, and yeah. So, but it's hard. Is it's hard. It's that's all you can. It's extremely difficult to start your pass with a 12 and then be like, all right, three doubles, a 360, and then another double or whatever his run was. It's all you can say is that's impressive and like good on him. Like it's so hard to I, do. I think like, one of the things too, looking at him though, is like how solid a rider like that. Oh, is. Oh, every time you, you know? ride with Corey, like you know what you're gonna get. Like he's gonna have a good set. Whenever I ride with Corey, I'm like. You gotta go. He he rides good, so like obviously you wanna ride good. You where I feel like there's there's also days where maybe you've come out of competitions and like say, um, maybe maybe somebody else. Uh, the thing is, is you've got the mob fives, you have the double flips, you have the rewind tricks too. But you know, you're you're still semi young in exactly, professional yeah. competitions. You're what now going into your third full yeah, season. Yeah, this is my currently. Yeah, you would say this is my third year, but it's more of like a off year I guess like next right. year will be my fourth year pro you know you learn a lot 21 now definitely not old like still young at heart learning a lot as time goes on about contest and how to ride in contest the reason these guys like are able to do these hard tricks every single time in contest they've been doing them forever like Harley has been so dominant for so long still is so dominant and like he's been doing these tricks forever so he's just 
got the fundamentals and the muscle memory just dialed and that's why they're so on and so yeah but with then, time it comes you know then like, a guy like you comes out and gunther and you guys are doing the same like a lot of the same tricks and maybe right maybe at first you weren't landing them as clean as those guys but that was because you were adding something to well, those exactly, tricks yeah. that nobody else was doing at that time trying to at least yeah just i don't know i remember <laughs> growing up with josh and he's like you got to find a niche you can't just just be good at contests. Josh Twelker, of course. Yeah, Josh Twelker. Yeah, yeah. And like, he's just like, you got to find a niche. You got to be your own person. Like, otherwise, you'll just get faded out pretty fast. And I was like, that really stuck with me. I think I was like 13 when he said that. And it's yeah. Like, you can't just, like, I've always like cared just living with Josh Twelker, you know, like cared about how my tricks look and everything. So it's just come with it. But I've also realized being there for the people of the sport that aren't pro wakeboarders just the people in the industry is huge like you gotta respect the people that are helping out the industry and putting money into it and just like the people on demos and stuff that's super fun to me like going on demos going on the road that's probably what i'm most bummed about for 2020 summer is i haven't been i've been on one demo and that was just like three hours to shark and that was a great demo tons of kids it was super fun but I miss going on the road with the reps and going on the lake every day being like, oh, yeah, you want to try this board? Oh, this board, this board. Kids loving it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, a just a, it's just a different year, right? Yeah, it's different. Just but, a different year. Yeah. Well, so, all right, so let's let's rewind now. And now you were on a um, an episode with me um, almost two years ago now. We, we were at Active Water Sports Evening with the Stars. I think that was 2000 and. 18 it must have been so so for anybody maybe who hasn't gone and listened to those archives or whatever i want you to kind of recap us a quick overview um about where you grew up you're from the pacific northwest oregon state um where you grew up and how you and your family uh got into to wakeboarding yeah so i mean i grew up in bend oregon like that's where i was born in I don't really like remember a specific time, like first memory on the water or anything. Like my parents have always had a boat since before I was born. They had a boat. I was a couple weeks old going out on the boat. Just was like, your dad a wakeboarder or anything? Like I that? mean, like he was no good at all. Like they, but he, they did ri- ride for sure. Like he wakeboard would ride and ski or just yeah. So my mom would ski. They both knew how to do it all for sure. But my mom like definitely like enjoyed skiing a lot. She skied quite a bit. I remember that. My dad wakeboarded a little bit once we got like our first wakeboard boat slash like ski boat. It was like a Centurion. And then uh, that's what I learned how to wakeboard on. I was eight or I was seven when I learned how to wakeboard. And then just doing all that, just literally being on the boat like all the time. Do you remember what it was that um, like what sparked you to get on a wakeboard? Was just like, oh, we're just seven years old and we're going for fun? My dad, our boat broke or something, and they used to have to drive three hours to Portland to get it fixed and everything. And so he came back with the boat because we were getting ready to go to the lake. And he comes home with this hyperlight. It was the orange hyperlight board with like, there was like some sort of face type thing in the middle. Like, yeah, I can't like the motive, probably. It might, yeah, it was probably the motive. That's probably what it was. But yeah, I mean, it took me the whole summer to get up. It wasn't no, like, tried a bunch of times in Oregon, like, off the tube, off the shore, like, couldn't do it. Like, I knew how to double ski and everything. And then we used to go to Lake Shasta, Northern California, like, all the time. Like, that's where we, I have so many memories there as a kid. And then we went to one of the wakeboard schools that Mike Schven owns, you know, uh, West Coast Camps. He used to have, like, a little shop on lake shasta that they used to have like one coach out there and they'd go out and like coach you and uh, this specific day um the coach were like all right like we're gonna get him up today like hopefully and we go in there and like this guy named chris dykemans um teaches like he teaches me how to get up on a wakeboard oh that's awesome and then 
crazy thing is later on the road when I'm 12 living with Josh, he's, he's living with Josh as well. Chris Dykeman's like wild story, but, um, anyways, yeah. And then just growing up, going to the lake all the time. Like, and then when I was eight, I started competing in the Northern California INT tournaments it's where I met Josh and the Paytons, like the, tw- or the Twelker family and the Payton family. Like I started staying with Chuck and Linda Payton, like a lot. And that's how I got I met the Twelkers a little bit more, like, because Josh was, like, doing junior pro stuff when I was first getting into there, because he was already, like, so good and, like, doing all that stuff, so Josh's dad was the chief judge of INT, so that's kind of how, like, we got into touch with them, and then started staying with Josh when I was, like, 10, and then pretty much started living in Cali when I was 12. One thing you, um, you, you, you touched on already, and... Um, I've got it here in my notes. Something that's missing from the landscape of our sport these days are, I feel like, grassroots contests at the state level. And I'm I'm talking more in specific about the INT League. I, yeah, INT, like grassroots contests. That's one thing that it's very hard for, like, obviously kids here in Florida, like, have, like, performance gravel tour and all that stuff. That's a great grassroots event performance. And OWC are doing a great job with that. But that's one of the only grassroots contests like there's ones here and there but yeah there's no actual grassroots association like INT anymore it's very sad like I remember like our super good friends were the coordinators and it was just when I first started going there it was like a hundred and something riders it was crazy we would be double boating like two divisions at once for instance it would be like outlaws behind the the mass the the supra and uh, the intermediate is getting towed behind the mastercraft and so it's like one rider from outlaw rides and as soon as they're done the intermediate's on the water and it would be like sometimes the outlaw riders would have to ride at like 6 a.m the next day because they didn't get to ride and then they, the whole contest would start over again like just so it's, many it's just so, so many, many riders and then like slowly as i started getting better and as time moved on like when i started competing it was 2007 so that's 2007 2008 very bad time the recession and everything and so like saw it windle down like 70 riders 60 riders and like I remember the first outlaw contest I won I was 13 or 14 like I did a chromo blast trick and I was like super stoked like I just learned it and I'm pretty sure the event was done at like 1 or 2 p.m. that day it was like 1 or 2 p.m. when I was riding and normally that would have been in the dark what do you you think what do you think happened well to the INT league well the first thing that I mean like that happened was obviously like the recession was huge I mean everybody lost everything you know and so like there was only a handful of people that were able to like still stay like able to like above flow and ride and do all that stuff but I'm not really like sure I was very young you know like I didn't really understand the politics and everything but they wanted the INT league to be the the number one like the this is if you win INT like this is it and it was the WWA you know, like the WWA was huge thing. It still is, you know, and like right. that was where the pros rode and like you would win outlaw and then you would go to the WWA and do all that, you know, like that's kind of how it, it didn't work out just like that. Like people would be competing in both. Like yeah, well, I it's, was. It's, it's tough. There's but the, it, the, the, our, our, our industry has so many different like there's the WWA, there's USA Water Skiing Wakeboard. At one time there was INT, there's CWSA for wake surfing now. Okay, yeah, exactly. Like so many different, I guess, not leagues, but associations. Right. Yeah. And so I don't really know like exactly what happened, but I think almost, I wouldn't say they shot themselves in the foot, but maybe I, I don't really know. Like my parents might have an idea because they were around for like a lot of that and like helped run a lot. But also, the judging was a lot weirder. It was points. You know, points never really are 
are a great thing for wakeboarding, in my opinion. Yeah, especially when we're trying to push a sport yeah. for style. Exactly. Like, <laughs> when a grab's just, a, like, a plus next to the thing isn't really right. doing much, but... Do you yeah. think um, INT going away has affected the growth of competitive wakeboarding? It's you. It's very hard to say that it hasn't. Of course, I mean, like, since INT has stopped, there's been less and less fans and less and less riders at most of the events, right? And so, like, obviously, I think the grassroots were just... It was, for most people, every state had an INT league, and so it was about three to four hours to the INT contest and so like it really wasn't that far and then that's how like the kids would get pushed and then that just makes the sport bigger because there's more kids getting pushed and then people get better and better and then yeah so I definitely like wish there were a lot more grassroots contests for younger riders to get a part of and the people that are putting on grassroots events thank you like you guys are doing more than you probably think and it's really cool yeah, big big shout out to the WWA on that. They're, and even this summer, they've they've been doing their best to keep the wakeboard regionals going. And I'm sure, uh, you know, I haven't been able to attend, and I'm sure the numbers are smaller. But at least it's 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 something. It's something, yeah, something for people to do. You grew up on the in the Pacific Northwest. You moved out to the West Coast. Um, you moved out to the Delta, a place where, for a long time, there was a, um, you know. A, a, a heavy lifestyle of this West Coast versus the East Coast as far as like wakeboarding the West Coast style, the East Coast style. Um, in my day, I would say we've seen a very, very small percentage of West Coast riders move to Orlando, um, legit West Coast riders. They usually like to hold their territory and stand their ground. Um, three, or, three or four years ago, you made the decision to um, to move to Orlando. How did, how did that decision come about how did like how are you able to internalize that and how do your peers on the west coast when you say it hey, was, I'm leaving it was crazy so i just remember when i was 16 i remember i came down and i stayed with dowdy from january like second or something like just after new year's um until late eight just after wake open in orlando like late april and then i would go to the west coast and then i was there until october October, November, and then I would, and then I flew to Florida and lived with Taylor McCullough and Gunther Oka on Holden, and I lived there till about till April again. So that was like a six month. That was the longest I had lived there. And then I came back and I was there till October. Moved there. Was like, yep, coming back in April. Like everything's good. And this is right when I got on Ronix. And then january happened and uh, i actually like ended up signing with ronix and like everything was going really good working out at the lake a lot and like shooting with ruck ruck and i had this video coming out it was really cool and just really like having a good time with the ronix boys how does the uh, how does your west coast crew take your move to the to the east well yeah they they brought you up yeah exactly so like that's what i'm getting to and then like i remember like being like oh i don't know if i want to go back i don't really know like it's february this time like if i'm not going to come back i need to let josh know like freaking out not what i'm going to do and then i actually like talked to uh, mike ferraro and ruck about it i was like i don't really know what i want to do the west coast is like who i am and where i'm from and if it wasn't for the west coast i wouldn't be in florida and i feel so bad for bailing on these guys and they were just like do whatever you think is like going to be the best for you. And uh, obviously having you work out at the lake would be like really cool. And just being able to shoot all the time would be awesome. And I took that and I was like, all right, 
I'd still be able to like get a lot of clips in California kind of and everything, do that and like weighing the options. It was a really hard decision. And I just kind of came down to all the best wakeboarders are in Florida and it's a lot easier. It pretty much came down to, it's so much easier to wakeboard in Florida. And at this moment in time, being a West coast rider, like how much, like, is that going to benefit me? Like in the industry, like, is that, is that like, cause like that's and this is your contest. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so it's a lot, like it was hard. And like, I called Josh and I was just, Josh was the first person I called, cried on the phone with him. I was just like, dude, I'm not coming back. Obviously like going to come to Cali and everything, but I won't be living on the Delta this summer. Like, I think I'm going to stay here and just go out to the lake a bunch. And like, cause this was my rookie year too. Like I was heading, like it was a big change six years on Conley, get on Ronix. All right. All right. Now I'm going to stay in Florida. Like a lot of change was happening. I mean, you've got some I, big influential guys though in your ears too. Eric Ruck, Mike Exactly. Ferraro. Exactly. Like I wanted, well, I wanted just, they didn't give me, they were like, do what you want to do. They didn't give me anything like, oh, you should do this. They were like, do what you want to do. Like, we can't say what's going to be best for you. Like whatever you think is going to be best is going to be best. But it just came down to like where I thought I was going to be able to like progress my wakeboarding the most. And so I was just on the phone. I was just, I, I will not become like the quote unquote East coast, not grab like whatever. Like I plan on staying true to the West coast and like riding, like we do ride on the West coast, just living in Florida because it's better for wakeboarding. Like Josh was traveling a lot and like, it's a lot harder to ride there. Cause you got to have a spotter, like a person to hold the flag. And so it was me, Josh, and then Trevor was living in Sacramento, like an hour and a half away. It's really hard to find that extra guy to go out over there. You know, like it's not always a thing. And so it's just like a lot harder to ride. And so it was a hard decision. Like, I think it's a lot easier for you to take your job more serious when you're in your office every single day. And while exactly, we can yeah. consider the boat to be our office, um, you can consider Lake Ronix to basically be your corporate headquarters for the most part. Exactly. And I mean, like, yeah, just like being able to go out there and like spend time with the dealers and just put FaceTime in with the people at Square One and at Ronix is like huge to me and just we're all such a family. And so like, I didn't want to like separate from the family, you know, and everything. And I then, feel like, like, and I'm super close with Eric Ruck. And the thing is now is that your life isn't just filled with passion projects. Your life is filled with work. You've got yeah, jobs to do. Exactly. So like, I remember like I called Josh and he was like, to be honest, I saw this coming like two or three years ago, but you just kind of kept coming back, kept coming back. And now I'm bummed. I'm really bummed that you're not going to be able to spend the summer, but he was very supportive. I remember I called Josh's dad, Peter. That was probably, that was the hardest one was telling like Peter, not because he was so like West coast versus East coast or anything like that. Like there wasn't really much of that. It was just, he has done so much for me. Like since I was 12, let me live at his house, just be like a became, second father. Yeah. yeah like he exactly. became like a son to him. Exactly. And it was just like now, all right, I'm pro. So I it didn't, it wasn't like this at all. And like, it's not like, it's just, how like I thought they would like see it. It's just like, all right, I'm pro now. Like I don't need you guys anymore. And like, it wasn't like that at all. Like, so like still have like, obviously like, talk to them all the time and everything. Right. And like want to think hopefully Josh can come out to Florida soon. Like once all this craziness is over. That was like one of the hardest phone calls is like, obviously once again, super supportive and was like, yeah, I think this is what you need to do as well. That's cool. But that was a hard one. And then I called Rod. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's sweet. You know, you know, Rod, he's just like, he's just a bad thing. So supportive. Yeah, he's just like, let's go. Like, that'll be sick. No worries. And then uh, Trevor was just, everyone was supportive. Nobody dogged me. They were just, don't forget where you came from, you know? And like, I haven't. Like, if anything, it's like, 
made me remember more like I'm not going to forget the West Coast because sure. they've done so like the West Coast is where I am. It's who I am. It's so, so it's such a sick place. Like, Hey guys, I just wanted to jump in here for one second to remind you about Wake Responsibly. Yes, we are still talking about this and listen up because no matter what you like to do on the water, make sure you do it responsibly. It's now common etiquette to ride at least 200 feet away from shorelines and especially boat docks. Remember, you are responsible for your own wake. Know the waterways and know when it's appropriate or otherwise. Always keep your music at reasonable levels. And utilize the center of the lake for surfing and minimize repetitive passes over just one shoreline for elongated periods of time. Let us know you're listening by Take the Wake Responsibly exam online at wakeresponsibly.com and together we'll keep our waterways ours forever. Let me ask you this. Growing up on the West Coast, what were some of the stereotypes or misconceptions of the East maybe that you kind of grew up with? Okay, so one thing I will say is the overall misconception of the East Coast versus West Coast thing, not really. Like, we, it's not like that. It's just living on the West Coast just a little farther away and it's a smaller crew, so you're just like more like tight with your riders and like your friends and family it's just a little bit different but it's not we're over there just oh the east coast is trash blah 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 like no it's not like that but another thing like about the east coast i wouldn't say there's it's all wakeboarding it's all pro wakeboarding and like it's just like where you ride at i think definitely i wouldn't say there's a whole lot of misconceptions really it's just the industry's changed a lot also since I definitely do believe that back in the day, the East Coast versus West Coast thing was huge. Not saying that at all, but from my time, like as the industry's changed, I think it's definitely died down quite a bit. How has your style and riding skills evolved since you moved to Florida? What did that, did that help you with anything? So it's just water time. Like that's the biggest thing is just water time and how much warmer it is here so it's a lot easier to wakeboard but I wouldn't say like necessarily anything's evolved I still think I would be doing and trying the same tricks I am here than I would be in Florida because I still FaceTime and talk to Josh all the time like we are still like great friends so you know so you guys discuss like ideas for tricks yeah we discuss trick ideas and just a lot of catching up just seeing what he's doing and stuff like that but yeah talking about like what's new and what's going on here like a lot of stuff goes on here that he doesn't know about you know and so like tell him what's going on he tells me what's going on talk a lot about different tricks you know he still knows my wakeboarding better than anyone else so like if I'm struggling with something like I'll like send him over a video and he'll just, oh, like do this and bang it's magically fixed he's a magician your first year riding as a pro I believe it was you got an invite to be a part of the X Games Real Wake, which unfortunately, as quickly as it came about, it's kind of gone away again. Um, were you slotted to be in the event from from day one? Um, or how did you earn that spot? You ended up taking a bronze medal in that? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, X Games Real Wake was so sick like obviously still wish they did that event but so yeah i'm not sure if like i stole someone's spot or like or like got given someone's spot or not because obviously they're not going to call me that like, hey so and so can't do it but yeah, I somebody remember, got injured or something like that so i yeah i think if i i think like it was maybe bob i could hurt his hand but it was my first year on ronix i just gotten done at the product shoot riding with parks was there the whole time 
And then I think he went to like the Mastercraft shoot and like obviously Mastercraft was a huge part of the X Games and they had a certain amount of riders that would they had slotted for them and I got a call from Arn and he asked if I wanted to be a part of X Games and like ride behind a Mastercraft and be like a Mastercraft ambassador type thing during the two three month while the event was going on and so yeah like super thankful for that opportunity for sure like that was having x games medal like it's so sick so so talk a little bit about the the process uh, is the most so first year in pro don't really know like how to compete because riding's different from junior pro to pro just how you go about your contest pass but then blew it in the first two events didn't even make it through a round i don't think and so i was just already stressed about that but then x games came along and that was like a huge blessing in disguise for like my actual like contest riding because I was so stressed about that. Like I was living in a van for two months, strictly just flying to a contest and coming back. That's when I started make the finals. I remember the first time like I actually did good at an event was the Pro Wake Super Pro Tour, and uh, I got like sixth or fifth at that event, and it was the day or it was two days after I landed the double mode filming four X games and uh, I hadn't done a single trick in my contest pass besides a double cab roll that whole week because I was doing double cab rolls and like falling going mob and funny enough in that final the only trick I fell on was double cab <laughs> but yeah like it was just it was really cool but back to like X games yeah it was super just in a van with Josh Trevor and Hayden Berg he's another rider that rides out at Velocity and uh, we were just in a van, like they were help me winch. We would tow the boat, ride boat. It was a really cool how we had it set up. Like, and at this point, Josh had already been in. Uh, yeah, yeah. Josh had been in X Games, and Trevor had filmed Josh in X Games. So like, they were on so it. This is the. Oh. So how did their experience, their oh, past experience, help? It was huge. So like, honestly, like two months. It was pretty funny. It's like two months after I called them and I'm like, hey, I'm not coming to Cali for the summer anymore. And then I call him like, hey, I just got invited to X Games. I'm coming to the West Coast for two months. Do you guys want to film? Will you be my filmer? Like, I'll come live on the... So that was pretty cool. So just filmed for two months straight. We would drive into a camping spot at like 2 a.m. or something, set up the tent out at like 6 or 7 onto the winch spot. My body was definitely not feeling great at all. I got to ask you this, though. Okay, so like, like for me... At this point in my career, there's lots of things that I still envision doing on the water, but I know the reality is that I can't. Um, I know that both Josh and Josh Twelker and Trevor Maurer are still um, very active. They're very creative, but do they pull into? Do they dig into their own personal bag of tricks of ideas and share those with you to help get you onto that podium? Um, yeah, a little bit. So like I had my uh, trick list and it is only like a 90 second video. So it's about, I forget how many tricks I had. I think it was like 11 or 12 or something. And so I had the tricks that I wanted in it and they were all pretty, all right, these are some pretty solid tricks, but I think I did have a couple fillers. I did a switch melon roll the blind that Josh was like, oh, you should just do this. And I was like, all right, yeah, that ended up working out great. And that was really cool. So like just having them and like mainly having Trevor's experience winching because the first and last time I've winched is for X Games. The first time like I ever winched was for that. And so having Trevor like being able to like kind of like show me the lines and being like, all right, just do this. Just kind of slowly getting into it. That wooden handrail like in front of the Austin Stadium in Oregon with the big O in the background. Mm-hmm. Like that's my first winch spot ever. Like, so that's cool that it's in that. But so having their experience doing that was huge. Just them 
just telling me what to do. And then everybody was on grind. Like it was awesome. Like it was crazy. It was the first time, like I was kind of like in charge on a shoot, but it was weird because I'd grown up my whole life with Josh and Trevor in charge on the shoots. And so I was kind of just like weak. I think I was kind of waiting around, like waiting for them to make let's go. And I was like, oh wait, I'm, I got to say when to do go and when to do this. So it's definitely like a little bit of a change, but if it wasn't for those boys, like helping me out, obviously when I got a medal. So pretty yeah. stoked. Um, I want to talk a little bit about sponsor support and some of the folks that, that back you up. Uh, I want to talk about linking up with Ronix. Uh, coming into Ronix, you had a really, really long relationship with CWB. They took care of you for a long time, and you left on a I mean, from what I I knew the team manager, and I know you, it wasn't a it what you didn't leave on a bad foot. In fact, I mean they, it, I, what I was hoping is you can basically tell us a little bit about um, going from Conley to to Ronix and how hard that was for you and and kind of where you're at though now. Yeah, I mean that was like a huge decision for me. I was I just got done competing in like junior pro. Like I was like all right, like I'm gonna go pro this year. I still had another year left in junior pro, but I just felt it was best to step it up and. Uh, I remember like Expo's kind of like where everything quote unquote gets done. Like you, that's where you talk to your sponsors face to face and everything. And so I remember like going there with kind of high expectations a little bit. Like, I'd just done really well, like on the junior tour, like I'm, I'd won the rider experience overall. I'd won a few of the WWA stops. I had a pretty good season. And so I was definitely heard what happens. This is what happens when you go to pro, like you start signing contracts and stuff like that. So I was really excited, but like, obviously like not getting my hopes up too much because like I know the sport wasn't in the best place at that time and so I remember being like scheduling a meeting with Bish a couple weeks before Expo just like hey can we talk and of course like of course and Bish was like a great team manager you know he's you know Bish he's super sure Chris Bischoff yeah yeah. Chris Bischoff super chill super easy to talk to actually just talked to him on the phone yesterday just I remember talking to him and he's just so I don't really have an easy way to say this but we don't have any budget that's just it's not because you're not a good rider. It's just we that's not what we have. And I just remember being like, okay, well, I I get it, I guess. I mean, I was pretty, like, I wasn't upset, like, nothing. Like, I was just like, man, like, I really think I deserve more than what I'm getting. Almost and, like, what, yeah, what should I do then? Like, what do I need? Like, what, what else? I kind of was like, what do I do? Like, I've just done everything that I was told to do, and now I'm sitting in the same place I was six years ago, still getting just product, you know? I was just like really like didn't know what to do and then I remember Eric Ruck at Expo like I had talked to him a little bit like had gotten his contact information and then just slowly like I remember getting back from getting back to Cali from Expo just being like got to weigh out some options like I don't really that did not go how I was hoping it would go to be to be honest that was when Fox had just officially um cut all ties with Wake 2 and I was on there for 4 years and I was like well, this is, this is different. Okay. Like I don't really know what to do. And then I had, I was chatting with Greg Nelson. Cause I was like, all right, like I just want to, I just had people send me as many contacts as I could find pretty much, you know? Sure. So I started chatting with Greg Nelson and he was actually like for a couple, like for a couple months, I was talking to him like over email, like regularly, just like not anything about getting on Hyperlight, just about what I need to do. Like, cause he's a past like legend, of course, you know, from the West coast. And so wanted just to have some more insight of how to really like push it and make the next step and then luckily i was in florida like rod was helping me danny harf was helping me and i was trying to help talk to ruck as well and like 
really like trying to get on Toronix and then uh, I ended up getting like my first time bomb and as soon as like I was a I got the time bomb that was the last time I wrote any other board like I didn't even go back to the reverb to try it out I was like yeah this is it even if it's because in my mind I was like even if I'm just gonna get product I'd rather get product from Ronix well just like anyone else you know because it's the best board so and then uh, just I, my first like week in Florida I was like hey can I come out to the lake and started helping out at the lake a bunch and talked to Paul like on the phone like it was me and Ruck and he just put the phone on speaker we talked to Paul for like an hour and told him who I was pretty much and like what I want to do and then that was like a really awesome phone call to have and then I just remember like being like all right like sweet we're just going to do like a year of just having you on the team like well and then we'll like reach back in like, a year's time like let's do this and I was like all right awesome and then just like randomly like I just like get sent a contract on January like in like the beginning of January like not expecting it expecting like this year is like all right like I got to pay my dues you know like that's what you have to do and then like that was just that was huge like it wasn't even like it was just like it was just unexpected it's not like it was anything like crazy or anything it was just like unexpected it was just like I just really love how like everyone at Ronix operates and that transition was definitely different and really hard to work out so so you you go through these like kind of these rough wavy moments not knowing where you're at with these sponsorships you have this amazing year and you link up with, with Ronix um the contract comes and here we are um you're obviously more than a year into this contract but a little bit over a year into that contract your first signature pro model yeah like comes out Jake and I were able to shape the supreme you know like fresh for 2020 and that was pretty much I'd been on the team pretty much like talked to Paul and was like all right like we can give you boards and everything like in October and like so like flow product yeah flow product and then uh, it had been less than a year since I was on the team that Jake and I started shaping I think it was in like September early October that we started shaping the Supreme and then obviously got it done around December of 2018 and then or yeah 2018 or something like that and then can shot you, it yeah can you talk a little bit about um about what went in to um to because you you were a part of the building process of this board oh you yeah, had yeah input right yeah i mean it, it was it was really cool experience you know like i had seen josh like prototype boards and stuff before so i kind of knew like keep it with the same tricks you know just like just feel the board out and ride the board how you want to ride it and like Jake and I, like, we're two different riders, and so the way the board's shaped is, like, to be ridden by anybody just to have fun on a wakeboard. Like, it was cool because Jake and I, like, one thing that we really agreed on was, like, obviously we want it to ride well for us, but we want anybody that has never never getting up on a wakeboard and can do the type of tricks we can do to get up on it and their first time riding feel controlled and, like, have a good fun time on the water, like, be controlled like very rider friendly and so that was our very like that was our main concern is like obviously like we wanted it to pop good and land soft but i remember we had the whole ucf wakeboard team come out and try it and just get as many people as we can just like trying the board and like i think we went through like six or seven eight different prototype boards like jason stanley would shape up boards in seattle and send them to jake and i and like then we'd ride them mike ferraro would video us and Jason, we'd get Jason on the speakerphone, like, as soon as we get in, like, get, get back in the boat and, like, 
immediately just this is what we want to change this is what we want to keep i think if we did this this would happen like blah 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 like very like into it process and just like having somebody like jason and mike there like to help you like those are two like huge people in the industry and so like having them was huge as well and i'm so stoked on the final product so when it was all said and done though um seeing your name and knowing that you now have your own signature pro model board 21 years old i mean it takes a lot of riders a heck of a lot longer than i mean i know you've been around but you know in age you know oh i was i was stoked i mean like that's it's crazy like when i saw it for the first time with my name i was like that that's really cool like this is what i've dreamt my whole life you know pro model like it's all you can ask for i mean only a couple people have pro model votes like obviously that would be cool but (laughs) those don't happen anymore If you would, if you could say that you had like one overall OMG moment, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that this is a reality. I'm not saying necessarily a contest win and maybe even meeting somebody, getting to ride with somebody, um, a trip, uh, you know, a spot, a location, a trick, something like that. You're like this, oh my God moment that you've had in your career that, that stands out to this moment today. Um, that's that's like a very good question because i've had a few of those like there's a lot of different moments that like stand out obviously when i did the double mob it was like that's never been done wake to wake before but that wasn't like a huge holy cow like moment for me i was just like all right like now it's back to filming and then like but either when i first got on ronix and like really like felt a part of the family developed a relationship with everybody like that was like really cool i was like wow like this is crazy when i won rider of the year just a couple months ago like it the virtual wake awards i had no idea like i was in bear shop and I, studio and i was like i have no idea like what i'm doing here like i don't really know what i'm doing here and then like that so you happened. had no clue on that no they, I, they had no clue like obviously like garrett texted me a couple weeks before and he's like hey are you in town this date we're filming for wake awards or no are you in town this date? We're doing something at Bear's studio. Can you make it? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I show up, they're doing wake wards and I'm just kind of like helping them out. And I'm just like, why am I here? Like, I have no idea why I'm here. And then like, I remember, I feel like I even asked you like, cause weren't you and I like standing in the, yeah, you're like, so what are you doing here? I was like, I don't know. Like (laughs) I knew what you were doing. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I I did not, but that was like, obviously like, that's awesome. That's also like, kind of like a weird thing to say, like obviously like winning best boat riders, an OMG moment, anybody that's an OMG moment, but that was like, cause it was very unexpected. Like I did not think that was going to happen. So that was like probably one of the most surprised I've been in my career. Like I had no, I really did not think I, I thought Corey was getting rider of the year. Like I fully was like, yeah, Corey's one rider of the year. So that was crazy. That was like one of the coolest wow moments for me for sure. Yeah. Very good. Very good brother. Um, you have any, uh, projects coming up that we should be watching out for or maybe by the time this comes out it'll be out um definitely just trying to film like with the boys like mitch wise and daniel a lot just trying to put together an edit been filming with ruck a lot like been hitting some double ups i just moved in with massey and gunner daft so that's we got some stuff we're going to be cooking up i'm sure so that'll be really fun but yeah i mean just keep your eyes peeled and if something comes up then it'll be there for sure but I'll, I got something. Very good. Very good. Hey, um, before we get to the uh, sponsors and the shout outs and social media, you took a ride behind my uh, classic ski boat today, dude. And and you brought your wakeboard, but you didn't end up strapping in. You ended up on the trick ski. What'd you think? 
oh, that was a blast. Like, thank you for taking me for a rip because that was getting behind like an old ski boat like that. Something you don't get to do here very often, that's for sure. And so that was that was cool. Like, rode the right foot forward trick ski. And that was and your left foot forward. Yeah, yeah, but that was that was fun. You know, I was able to do the cab three, but never really like that was my second time. So definitely might do it some more though. I want to learn how to do a flip. Yeah, but I don't have like the like you guys like trip the flip like an air trick. You know, like I don't know how to do air tricks. Edge can I don't I don't, I don't think I do it like that. I actually I I haven't thrown many flips in 2020. I've been I've been skiing a lot, but I haven't been doing flips. Okay, um, and I did one the other day because somebody requested it and. It takes me a lot of effort, so I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure. Like, Jake can, Jake, like, at Radar, Jake was doing, like, back rolls and stuff, and I was like, wow, it's crazy. Like, I can't, I could not do it. Yeah, trick skiing, trick skiing is definitely a whole different challenge. It's a lot of fun. Dude, you picked it up really, really quickly. It's fun. So. It's, it's, it was fun, you know, just cruising around, you know, it's different. Like, can we expect to see you master's trick skier, maybe? Oh, uh, that's, that's, you're asking a lot there. I don't know if I can, those... Those trick skiers are pretty dang good. I can't. I don't know if I can compete with those boys, but you'll see me there. I'll All be right. there for wakeboarding. All right, man. Well, <laughs> hey, um, let's uh, let's get to your shout outs, your social media, and the sponsor stuff real quick. Huge shout out to uh, Square One in Ronix Wakeboards, like Eric Rock, Paul O'Brien. You know, like everybody there's huge mega support for me. Like have done so much and like. It's insane. Every, Rick Tinker and Kimmy at Supra, like everything they're doing, keeping the Pro Tour alive and all that stuff. It's really cool, like how invested they are into the industry and like huge shout out to those guys. Like, thank you. And obviously the fam, mom and dad, Jason and Angie. Thanks for yeah, just being great parents, you know? And yeah, just that's it. Yeah, just been cruising. Social media, dude. Oh, my social it, media. Oh, yeah. Facebook? At Tyler Hyam. Tyler Hyam on Facebook. I don't really use Facebook, but. But you, your photos go there from Instagram, right? No, oh, they I don't. don't. I haven't. I don't think I've. I don't even know if I have a Facebook. Dude, you got to get it because that's how you tap into the guys my age, dude. We're all. We're all on Facebook. It's, oh, I didn't know Facebook was still. Yeah. yeah. Popping like that. It's all the, right. It's the uh, more refined crew of people on Facebook. Okay. So. All right. I, every crew. time I go on Facebook, I just feel like I don't even see what people post. It's just ads. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. Oh. And just a lot of political politics. And stuff, so. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so Tyler Hyam, there it is. H I uh, spelled Higham. Yeah, H I G H A M. It's a weird yep. one. Yep, yep. So there it is. Go go shoot Tyler a follow. Ty, thanks again, dude. Oh, thanks for having me, Dano. Yeah, I this appreciate was, it. This was awesome. Such a good time getting to, to ski with you. I got to give you one more big thumbs up. Um, congrats, uh, an insane pro career so far, and in the last 365 days, as we set right now. Um, Wakeboarding Magazine Wake Awards Rider of the Year 2019 um, Pro Wakeboard Tour 2020 as we sit here today your top three for 2020 um, we're waiting to get the results for the finals for stop number two uh, your run was insane I'm going to assume that you're going to be right there in the top three again uh, I'm not well, a judge though. <laughs> so otherwise I'd vote for everybody to be in the top three but you exactly. really did have a, a sick ride dude so Appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Until next time, guys, that's Tyler Hyam, and I am Daniel the Mano. Please, please hold tightly because I'm going to be right back after a quick couple of words from my sponsors to close it out right here on the Golden Mike Podcast, baby. Dig it. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, I see a lot more of you are enjoying your time on boats, but do you know what could make that time even more enjoyable? 
Well, how about some custom C-Deck? That's right, my friends. C-Deck is the industry leader in innovative flooring solutions, supplying the best boat builders in the world with comfortable, durable, non-skid flooring systems. And you know what? It's not just for new boats either. If you have a not-so-new boat, no matter what make or model it is, SeaDeck has a certified installer that can work their magic and have your boat feeling new once again. Just head on over to SeaDeck.com, use the certified locator page to find the nearest fabricator and installer to you. Visit SeaDeck.com, I'll spell it out, S-E-A-D-E-K.com to learn more. It's time to give your boat what it deserves, and your boat deserves SeaDeck. And while you're already making upgrades and modifications to your boat this summer, how about fitting it with the latest tower, speakers, countless accessories, marine audio packages, or racks from Roswell Marine. Roswell has been one of the biggest and best manufacturers on the market creating innovative products that have been trusted for over 20 years. Roswell's motto is quality without compromise and you know their products will perform reliably from the moment you install them and every day after that. Whatever you're looking for, be sure to use the dealer search function on their website to find the one closest to you, and that website is www.roswellmarine.com. Roswellmarine.com. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the North, Dano the Mano. I love talking with Tyler and just hearing about his approach to the sport. Just as we recorded this episode, the second stop of the Supra Pro Wakeboard Tour was happening. Tyler was able to match his performance from stop number one and is currently sitting in third place. We're looking forward to stop number three coming up, I believe, August 10th through the 14th. And I'm trying to think of the last time I saw Tyler in a competition where he didn't at least make it in the top 10, and I don't think I can. Anytime you see Tyler in a contest, you know he'll be in the finals. His willingness to spin in both directions and grab uh, with both hands and any edge of the board, it can be risky, but in the end, it does pay off big time. You can even talk to some of the guys that helped mold Tyler's style, guys like Trevor Maurer, Josh Twelker, Rodrigo Denoso, which, by the way, they've all been on this very podcast, and they will tell you the same. In fact, Rodrigo's been telling me how good Tyler was going to be for about the last nine years. Just before the interview, Tyler and I did get to go out on my classic ski, Brandella. She's a 96, and she's classic. And he tried out my trick ski, rode it wrong foot forward, and probably only the second time trick skiing his entire life. Uh, let me tell you guys, for a second time ever on a trick ski that wasn't even mounted with his correct foot in front, Tyler went out there and started landing some really cool stuff, some styly 180s in his own uh, unique fashion. He even landed cab three. I've never seen trick skiing look so stylish. I said, man, I've been doing this for 25 years, and that kid goes out in one set and makes me look like a major amateur. Uh, in fact, if you want to see it for yourself, go to my Instagram page at Dano T Mano. I made a edit called Trickleberry Finn, and some of the footage inside of that features Tyler riding on his trick ski along with myself. 
and some other professional athletes and amateur athletes as well. Definitely was a highlight of this year getting to record with Tyler, both on the water and then, of course, inside the Boathouse studio. Something that wasn't a highlight this year was when we had to postpone the Twin Lakes Corn Fest 2020 indefinitely, but that doesn't mean we're not still having fun. Instead of having an in-person event this year, we're holding our first ever TL Corn Fest Lake Lovers Challenge, and the great news is you can participate from anywhere in the world. This contest is open to everyone and anyone, and all you need to do is share your summer with us via social media. If you're having a summer lake adventure, cleaning up trash around your local waterways, trying a new type of water sport, or just having an epic shred session, take a photo, record some footage, make a one-minute edit, and share it with us by tagging Twin Lakes Cornfest at TL Cornfest on Instagram and using the hashtag LakeLoversChallenge. We're also on Facebook, and you can post there as well. We are awarding over a dozen prizes to the best overall photo, video of the summer, and believe me, guys, when I tell you, they are worth it. The value on even, well, the most entry-level prize is going to be at least $250, and it goes up from there. If you're bummed you won't be able to get a big bag full of swag, I'm talking about stuff we all get at TL Cornfest this year, then this should more than make up for it. And if you want insider advice on how to win, here you go. Just have fun, be creative, and above all else, lake responsibly. Learn more about the official rules on the website, tlcornfest.com. Follow on Facebook at Twin Lakes Cornfest, on Instagram at tlcornfest, and that's where you guys can check out the latest news. All right, an enormous thank you once again to Tyler Hyam for joining us and to all the sponsors of this podcast for their continued support. Thank you so much, SeaDeck Marine Products, WSIA, Roswell Marine, Active Water Sports, Masterline, Centurion Boats, O'Brien, Ledwake, Slingshot, Conley, Radar, Boulder Boats, Ronix, Hyperlight, GoPuck, and Midcoast Customs. Behind the scenes, a special thanks to Jane Levy in the office, Arthur Shabashavich on copy, and Rich Walsh on sound. That's it. That's all for me, folks. A reminder, you can follow the podcast on Facebook at the Golden Mike Podcast, and on Instagram at Dano T. Mano. You can message me there or at goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. And now that we're done with this episode, please head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts to leave a five-star review and rating. I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening. As always, I am the Noise of the North. Oh, yeah, Daniel the Mano. And you can hear me next time once again right here on the Golden Mike Podcast.